have you? You've probably never been to jail before, but no. you have something very similar. <laughs> oh, college backs. Good, good to know. <laughs> You're listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast with Cody Burton and Rebecca Scott. So, Becca, speaking of your past. Oh, what the <laughs> intro. We're talking all about you today. My least favorite topic. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk about a little bit about your story, how you got into real estate, um, yep. how you got investing. Um, so, yeah, take us all the way back to the beginning. Cool. Um, so before, first of all, I'm from Wichita, Kansas. Uh was never destined to be there forever. Great place to grow up. Absolutely hated it. It's actually kind of a, it's gotten a lot better since then, but that's beside the point. Um, so I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, played soccer my entire life, and always knew I was destined for more. Out of my family and friends group, it was just kind of, I not the odd man out, but I was just the one that was for sure going to move on and do bigger and better things. Yeah. That was just always the thing. My parents knew it. Um, I always knew it. So then when I decided to go to college in Kansas, the first two years, they were shocked because they're like, you're not supposed to stay here. You're supposed (laughs) to leave. And I'm like, I will. So then I had this epiphany thinking I have to move out to the East coast. That's what I have to do. Well, I did that, moved out to Tennessee for years and hated it. So why Tennessee? Why the East coast? I had this thing inside me that I needed to live in Virginia. I truly can't even explain it. I played soccer at a junior college my first two years of college. And then um, I won all these awards. I was playing with some top-notch people who actually went on to play in the Premier League, like really, really insane group of gals. And I got recruited by 17 Division One schools. Wow. Yeah. And however, my coach, because of legality stuff, it's a long story, but my coach actually didn't tell me until it was too late. So I thought that I wasn't being recruited by anyone and essentially called him up and was like, what is going on? Like how I've gotten like defensive player of the year two years in a row. I've gotten like all these, you know, accolades of how good I am. How am I not getting recruited? And he basically said, oh, you are. I just haven't sent you on the emails, blah, blah, blah. So then I had to do all the work myself, which is not usually how it works. And I, for whatever reason, inside of me, I was like, I got to go Tennessee, I have to go out east. Like, I was originally thinking Virginia, but ended up I lived in half of Virginia because I lived in Bristol, which is half in Virginia, half in Tennessee. Anyway, so I went out there, and I was there for a few years, even post-college and whatnot, and I started a nonprofit. I went to school for special education um, and realized that's not what I wanted to do. I mean, I'm not joking. I loved all my classes. I had a heart for helping people. I'd always kind of been in that nonprofit volunteering state. Mm-hmm. And so it was a natural progression in my life and um, fell in love with the kids. But I took every class that I needed to. And then as soon as I was supposed to student teach, I not had a panic attack, but just had like this heaviness on me and was like, I can't do this. You just knew it wasn't what you were supposed to be doing. It's not what I was supposed to be doing. And I've always known, like, I'm out there to help people. Like, I have this want and this longing to help people in whatever capacity that is. And so it just made sense that, like, I was going to be poor for the rest of my life, but I was helping people so I'd be happy. And I believed that. Yep. I mean, I truly, truly did. Um, And so when I 
when I finally made the decision, like, I'm going to switch my major going into my fifth year of college, it wasn't, like, the smartest thing I did. <laughs> However, I gamed the system and created my own major and was able to graduate in that, that one year. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... So you graduated and then you started a nonprofit? Yeah. So then after I was like, okay, not... I did psychology and business. Okay. And... Um, I decided not doing special education. I'm going to go now. I'm just going to do nonprofit because that's like an easy, you know, business side of helping people and whatever. Mm -hmm. So I started mentoring 112 to 17 year olds through the YMCA. Wow. Absolute chaos. And that's how I thrive in chaos now is because I've <laughs> that job right there. You've seen a lot more chaos than anything <laughs> we deal with. There is nothing more chaotic than 12 to 13 year olds in a big group of people, just mm -hmm. mayhem. If you have a 12 to 17 year old, you know how chaotic <laughs> they can be. Anyway, and so I did that for a handful of years. I moved on to the Ronald McDonald House Charities and moved back to Kansas for a little bit. And then I moved to Colorado when I got married and um, was looking for jobs, really wanted to work for the Special Olympics, really wanted to do a couple different things. And everything that I was interviewing for, I just didn't like it. I didn't feel inspired by it. I I don't know. I just kind of had this weird, I call it my quarter-life crisis, where I was like, you know what? This isn't it. There's so much more to life than being poor. Yeah. I mean, I love helping people, still do to this day, but I think I can have both, yep. you know? And I had to figure that out. I didn't know what that looked like at the time. I wasn't intelligent enough to or creative enough, I should say, to figure out how to do that. However, I do feel like I was very protected in the sense of my brother, who's in commercial real estate in Wichita, called me and was like, why don't you just meet up with my buddy, Matt? And I'm like, I don't want to meet up with your real estate buddy here in Colorado. <laughs> I've seen what that, like, I've seen that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. No, that's just not for me. But I had nothing going on. You know, I'm applying to 100 jobs a day. My eyes are bleeding from staring at a computer the whole time. So I figured, what's the worst that could happen? He's Give a it well, a shot. He's a well-connected dude. Maybe he has a job somewhere else or knows somebody that he can connect me with. So I show up in my blazer and my, like, heels and pencil skirt with my resume. And I show up to this old mansion in downtown. And I'm like, hi, I'm... Becca Scott, like, you know, my brother, I'm here to apply for, I don't really know what. <laughs> and he's like, everyone's barefoot. And this plate, this place has like margarita mix everywhere. People were drinking beers. I'm like, what is this place? Right. So he's like, listen, I don't care about your resume. I don't really care about anything. I need help doing X, Y, Z. And I was like, okay. And he's like, and also I can't pay you. Like, well, you... It's exactly what you're looking for in a job when you're tired of being poor. <laughs> you throw up a compelling argument. I, I'm going to accept, sir. And so I told him, I was like, I don't know, even know if I want to do real estate. He's like, then just follow me around for a month and see if you like it. And I was like, I'm not doing anything. So I guess that works. And luckily I had, my husband had a good job. So I was able to kind of be, you know, flexible there. Yeah. And, um, so I did it by day three. I was like, Oh, this isn't normal real estate. This is creating wealth for people. This is actually changing people's lives. So we are telling people how to save money 
for their kids' college. We are telling people how to get to the next level or to provide support to their family that doesn't live here or there, you know, out of country, mm-hmm. whatever it is. This is way different than I ever imagined. I didn't even know that was possible through real estate. Yeah. So I very quickly got on board and subscribed to everything that Atlas was preaching. And we were small at the time. We were 20, 30 people, had a property management team of six or seven. Yeah. Um, it was small. And so probably smaller than that. Anyway, and so I loved it. And so I did my 30 days like I had agreed to at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I went to my boss and I said, I'm ready to get paid now. <laughs> hey, I'm still here. <laughs> pay me money now. <laughs> I've been here for 30 days. Pay me money. Yep. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, sorry. We're actually going through a downturn right now and we're letting people go. It's like, cool, cool, mm. cool, cool. <laughs> um, so I just kind of didn't take that as an answer. I And again, I'm fortunate because my husband was able to support us during this time. But I was I just decided I'm just going to keep showing up and eventually they'll pay me. And they did. It's a good philosophy there. Months later, once I get my mind set on something, you can't change it. <laughs> so months later, they're like, here's $2,500 a month. You're working really hard. I'm like, $2,500 a month? This is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> but what I didn't realize is I was learning so much more than just how to transact on a deal mm-hmm. or how to talk to clients or whatever the real estate e-stuff is, I was learning how to invest my money. I was in a school of instructors who had millions of dollars and it started from nothing. And they were my professors, right? So I just didn't realize the benefit of working at a place like this, how it would affect me personally. And that's really important. And that's always made a huge difference on me because I wouldn't have the financial literacy without starting from where I did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the amount of knowledge that's here at Atlas, I mean, I think it's a big part of why we wanted to start this podcast is just because there's so much knowledge within these walls that we wanted to share. Yeah. So you're at Atlas. It's been a few months. You finally made it on payroll. Mm -hmm. What's what are things looking like at that point? So at that point, we're renting a, it was fourteen fifty a month, very small, like 400 square foot, one bedroom in Cap Hill. Wow. Yeah. Loved it. That's pricey for a one bedroom in Cap Hill. Oh, yeah. So I, my first place was a one bedroom, one bedroom, one bath. This was granted in Jacksonville. Uh-huh. I paid $500 a month for it. <laughs> And it had cable and electric and Wi-Fi included. Oh, my <laughs> word. That's insane. So just well, a little bit different. I remember when I was living in Tennessee, I had the most desirable location for a house. It was perfectly between downtown and campus. Uh-huh. And I had two roommates given, but I was furious when my landlord raised my rent from 200 to 225 <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I'm poor. I can't afford this. Oh, my God. Looking back on stuff like that. I know. And this is in, I mean, this was 2015-ish. Well, 2013. Okay. So not that long ago. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So anyway, um, fourteen fifty was a big jump for me. Yeah. I no, mean, I went no from kidding. $225 <laughs> to $1,450. 
Anyway, so we were paying this, and we absolutely loved our location. We were friends with everybody in our building. Like, mm. it was a great situation, but... And it was going to be really hard for us to leave the city because I love cities and I love walking to everything. And that's what we did. We would walk to dinner. We'd walk to the gym. We'd walk to the liquor store, the park, like everything that we needed, we were walking to. Um, And I actually still hold a huge value on that for my life personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely creates a nice, nice lifestyle having things so close. Yep. So then we were like, okay, we need to buy something. And we were looking at condos in the area just because at the time, I mean, I, I was legitimately making $2,500 a month. It's really hard to get qualified for anything in Denver off that. And again, my husband was making stuff, but a lot of his uh, compensation was tied up in bonuses. And you have to have two years of proof for that. And he'd only been working there for like eight months. Yeah. Big bonuses are great, but they don't do great for pre-approvals. Right. Exactly. So we were like, well, we've got, you know, some cash, not very much, but the most I've ever had in my entire life, because I will never forget the day that the first time I ever had a comma in my bank account, I will never forget that. (laughs) I'm not joking. It's burned in my memory. It's an episodic memory for me. It's a good day. Yeah. And anyway, so we had a little bit of money saved up. We were looking for a condo in Cap Hill so we could stay close to everything. And we were just looking at these properties. And Capitol Hill is like a historic area where everything's 100, 150 years old. Yeah. If not older, right? So everything is just old and grimy and just not really what we were looking for and the HOAs were $500 I mean ridiculous amount of HOAs so you know we're like okay maybe we maybe the city we can't stay here we can't really afford that monthly payment nothing is that great we had a dog and so we're just like this just doesn't make sense so we ended up bumping because of the HOAs were so violent at the time we ended up we were able to bump our purchase price by $100,000, but our monthly payment would be the same, if not less. Just because you were moving somewhere without an HOA? Yep. Wow. Yeah. So we ended up buying a $265,000, 667-square-foot, two-bedroom, (laughs) one-bath mansion. (laughs) And that's what we did. And it was outside. I mean, it was still in Denver city limits. Um, it was Southwest. It was in, you know, the neighborhood was, um, just a lot of people who had been there for generations Mm -hmm. and just hadn't been kept up very well, but that's okay. You know, we're like, this is our first investment. We believed in the process so much that we're like, we know we have to buy a house because what we're doing right now isn't sustainable. It's not sustainable to light 1450 on fire every month, you know? No, definitely not. So at this point, you're buying your first house. Would you have called it house hacking at the time? Is that something you were trying to do? Or did you just know you needed to buy because you needed to stop renting? Um, No, we were house hacking. Okay. So So, right from the beginning. Right from the beginning. That's awesome. So we bought a house that needed some work. Um, It it was built in in 49. The cabinets were original, had been painted 12 times, no less than 12 (laughs) times. Um, Things were jank. Just to put it clearly, it just was, it was a very immaculately kept home. Mm -hmm. It was very, very dated. Gotcha. A lot of things were original, floor, I mean, everything was original. So 
we bought that knowing we would redo the kitchen at some point. And within the first year, that's what we started doing. We gutted the kitchen. Oh, mind you, I got into this house. We put $13,000 down. Great. Yes, that's important to note. Um, But we put another probably 15-ish into kitchen and landscaping. Gotcha. Fixing it up, bringing it up to date, that sort of stuff. Gotcha. lighting. I mean, we didn't even have lights in our living room. You would have to plug in a lamp, you know? So... We just spent about $15,000 on renovations, and then we lived in it for about a year, and we're like, okay, it's it's time to move on. But it was kind of hard because, one, we had just done everything, got it really nice. We had a massive backyard that was great for entertaining. Mm. We used it all the time. Our neighbors were great. It was just a good setup. Yeah. Yeah, after you put all that work in it, you want to take some time to enjoy it. It feel it's right. always so hard, even if it's maybe the best investment decision, to yep. be like, "All right, we're done. Let's let somebody rent it and move on." Exactly. Um, so then this interesting opportunity came up. Um, we, him and I, my husband and I, I had at this point, I'm 10.99 agent, so mm-hmm. I was making more money and I was doing my own thing. Um, so him and I both kind of got some cash, you know, like hit some bonuses. I sold a couple houses, the whole thing. And so we actually had a little bit of cash with us, but not enough to really do anything super significant. Um, and at that time, my husband's younger brother was moving from Boulder to Denver and needed a place to live. Okay. He <laughs> needed a backyard cause he had a dog. Um, he was fine with a house. He's used to roommates. So we kind of had this idea like, well, what if, what if you put your name on the loan, live in the house, our name's also on it, but then we only have to put 5% down, right? Because Mm -hmm. he is the um, primary resident. So he's occupying the place. We could get primary financing with that interest rate and whatnot. And we could go as non-occupying borrowers. So our neighbors across the street who we love dearly, they decided to move to New Mexico. They kept phenomenal care of their house. It was so well kept. It was great. It was a four bedroom, one and a half bath. And we're like, this is a great rental. It's a phenomenal rental. Mm-hmm. Path of development. I mean, that area now has gone crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to waive all real estate fees, obviously, and bought the house for its value and um, saved them some money, saved me some money. It was really a win, win, win. Great. So brother-in-law went on the loan with us. He moves into the house. But before that, um, we decided to, since it was a four-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath, the half bath didn't have a shower, Mm -hmm. we decided to add a shower. Okay. So we blew out a wall, expanded the bathroom to make sure that there were two, two bedrooms per shower, which seems reasonable. Yeah, have two proper bathrooms. Right. And of course, that increased our value immediately. Yeah. Um, and we did it nice, you know. So, him and his four buddies move in. My brother-in-law is now getting cheap rent because his three other buddies are renting, and you know that was kind of the deal. It's like you get roommates, and you can have cheap rent, 
but thanks for doing, you know, so it was yeah. kind of a win-win. So thanks for doing this for us. And So do you remember at the time what the rents they were paying and what your mortgage was? Yeah. So we bought the house, I want to say for like 365, I can't remember if it was 345 or 365, something like that. Um, and then our monthly payment was about 1900 and then they were paying 2400 Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, that's a great investment. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we had somebody there. And I, you know, in my mind, I was like, it's right across the street from our house. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. If anything goes wrong, we're right here to fix it. If, you know, we can kind of keep an eye on it, yeah. whatever the case is. That's one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. <laughs> it's funny we have both made that mistake. Yep. It's so logical. <laughs> To say, I'm so close. Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I need to do. But instead, what happened is I see him and his little buddies, which I love him dearly. We have a fantastic relationship, and I say this to his (laughs) face all the time. But I would see him and his buddies throwing these parties, not pulling their weeds. Do we think that 20-year-old boys are going to pull weeds? (laughs) What was I thinking? Setting expectations. (laughs) None were set. Absolutely none were set. So... Every morning, I'd just, like, look out on the blinds and just be mad, you know? So I'd go over there, like, when they would leave, and I'd, like, pull all the weeds, and, like, I'm crazy. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Actually, this isn't great. This is not great. But it's a good investment. We have now made a lot of money off of that property, so I feel very yep. secure in it. But, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. Yep. Now, do you still have that property, or have you sold it? You yep. have it still? Okay. Have it still. So you're up to two. Mm-hmm. Got both of them. So you're talking, you've got, what, half a million dollars worth of real estate? Yeah. And you put how much down at this point on it? Um, all For both properties, I want to say it was exactly 30, just under that. Fantastic. Yep. You know, most people don't think you could have multiple properties for 30 grand down payment. Right. Right. So... Yeah, because the first one was 13, and I want to say the other one was like 27, 26 and a half, something like that. awesome. Yeah. So then we're like, all right, we feel really good about this. We're going to start renting out the house that we're living in, and we're going to buy something that's a little bit nicer, maybe hopefully try and get closer to a better area where Mm -hmm. we can, more walkable. Yeah. Have that lifestyle you want. Exactly. Um, And we'll be getting, you know, we were expecting about almost a grand from of cash flow from the both of them. Great. Yeah. So that's what we did. We started looking and we found a house that's two and a half blocks away from a desirable street in Denver that has everything that we need. Walked to my gym. I walked to my grocery store. I walked to bars, restaurants, liquor stores, all that. So we moved, we did not sell our primary. We moved into our next house again, putting, this one was a bit more expensive. So I think we put maybe like closer to 40 grand down on this one, but it's a primary house and it's a lifestyle purchase. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You have to balance, especially yeah. if you are house hacking. Yeah. There's always a balance with the truly best investment, but also investing in yourself and what's going to make your life fulfilling. Yep. Cause ultimately if you're more fulfilled and you can still justify it, you're going to perform better. You're going to make more money then you can do more investing. Absolutely. So we knew it was going to be a lifestyle purchase. We knew we probably weren't going to own this home forever Mm because at the time it was very expensive. Um, And it was only a three bedroom, two bath. It was, you know, not 1650 square feet. So not a big house and just very basic bungalow. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was turnkey. I'd never bought a property that was turnkey before. So that was also interesting. 
I still haven't. <laughs> when I say it was turnkey, I mean that thinking that I wasn't going to completely redo the bathroom, the floors, paint everything. Yeah. It wasn't turnkey. And that's why I haven't. I know I wouldn't leave anything the way it was. But I did sell my <laughs> husband on that dream. So that's the important lesson to be learned here. <laughs> poor, poor Mike. <laughs> He's a good soul. Um, anyway, and so at that point, we had moved into this house. So we had two rentals, moved into ours, and life was good. And we actually bought it thinking we were going to house hack it a bit because mm-hmm. down in the basement, there's a separate entrance. Oh, and nice. Yeah. And so you can go downstairs and there's a little um, like a sink and there's a wine fridge. And we were just saying, oh, we could put like a toaster oven or microwave even mm-hmm. and just have that rented as Airbnb. There's a bedroom, lounge, huge ma- um, primary bathroom. Like it's great. So that was our intention with it. We never ended up doing it. We no. still, no, we still, every once in a while we'll flirt with the idea like, hmm, we could definitely make quite a bit of money if we just rented half of the house out somewhere. Yeah. You know, but yeah, especially with the Airbnbs exploded over the last couple of years. Yeah. It's insane. I know. And we start running numbers like, Ooh, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, but it's our house. I don't know. Yeah. Airbnb is definitely a lot more work than a traditional long-term real estate investment. Especially when it has to be your primary residence. Yeah. Right. I mean, we here in Denver, it has to be our primary residence. And so you have to have these people coming in and out of the house while you're living in it. And our lifestyle just isn't great for that. Yeah. We have two dogs. It's, it's just not ideal. Yeah. You don't have the flexibility here to like house hack it and then turn it into an Airbnb. You have to be living there. Exactly. So every time we think about it, we're like, okay, this sounds great. We're not going to do it. But one day maybe. So then we actually thought we were going to put an ADU. We have a one car garage and we're like, oh, let's make it a two car garage and then put an ADU on top, Mm -hmm. which would have been phenomenal. And there's a couple in our, there's actually three on our street. So we're like, oh, it can't be that expensive if yeah. everybody else is doing it. I have a client uh, trying to do that right now in the springs. Interesting. I would love to know how their process evolves because we reached out. This is at the beginning of 2020. We reached out to a handful of people. And essentially, these contractors were like, yeah, everybody wants to do this. Uh, 250 grand flat, like minimum. I'm like, what? And they're like, we won't even come out to your property because everybody wants us to come out to their property. And then nobody ever goes through with it because they realize how much it is really so they i mean so many times we were calling company on company and they're just like 450 and we're like wow are you do you not want our business how do you know that i mean that is the craziest thing to me is they're trying to scare us off and not do business with us that's their tactic to start so they must have really gotten burned (laughs) (laughs) but so we were trying to do that and then spoiler we didn't do it uh it just there's too much going on. And I live in a historic district, so it's kind of complicated. And yeah, that always that. complicates things. Yeah. So essentially, at that point, we just saved up a bunch of money and we were like, okay, it's time to buy something else, you know? And our primary, our original primary house, the first house that we bought, it had appreciated by, I don't know, like $150,000 within a couple of years. And it's a tiny, tiny two bedroom, one bath that not in a fantastic area. Mm -hmm. And it kind of started settling a bit. And so we're like, you know what? 
while this is still nice and trendy, I think we're going to get out of it. Yeah. So it appreciated 150 and that's the one you said you paid just over 200 for? Was that that property? Yeah. Wow. Great. Yep. So, yeah, so we paid, um, I guess not 150 It was closer to 100 because we paid 265 for it and we sold it for um, 375 370 Okay. And that's over how long? Two and a half years. Wow. So that was phenomenal for us. So we decided, okay, let's let's dump this one. And we had lived in it the past two out of five years, mm-hmm. you know. So we were able to avoid capital gains, taxes, yeah. and all that. And can you go into that a little bit more for yeah. people that listening may not quite get what the significance is there? Yes. So you have to live in a property two out of the last five years in order to avoid capital gains taxes. So if you were to live in a property five years ago and then you sell it, well, now whatever profit you make, you get taxed a pretty substantial amount. Yeah. Um, and of course it depends on a couple factors, but it can be up to as high as 40%. I mean, it's it's it can get violent. So we're like, let's avoid that. You know, this is kind of the time. Um, we really don't see 667 square feet appreciating all that much more. Yeah. Um, so we got out and we netted just, just sub a hundred thousand dollars and we're just kind of sitting in our bank account. We're like, what now? And that's when we bought a duplex down in Tucson and, um, we got a screaming deal on that. Uh, we bought it in our company. We bought it in bulk. So there were five, there was one lady selling five duplexes Mm -hmm. down in Tucson. I remember this deal. Yeah. Yes. And we bundled them all up if she were to give us a discount. So she did essentially just so we, it would be easy, painless, whatnot. And so she sold all of those duplexes to us. I think three out of the five, three Atlas people snagged them and then two outside clients snagged them. So you want to know the two outside clients? Were you one of them? My mom oh, is one of them. Really? And Michael's assistant, Kelly, is the other one. No way. Yeah. I did not know that. So it's all, even though they're not, you know, technically Atlas people, it's Still all kind of in the family. Still yeah. in the fam. Oh, that's hilarious. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I snagged one of those and it's been, it's done great for us. We didn't have to do anything. There were renters already in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the agent, actually, I didn't, I wasn't the buyer's agent on this transaction, and the agent that we were using actually did us a huge disservice and there were a lot of things just left off. Yep. It was a little bit luck because I of course did my own due diligence and did all that. And so I knew what was going on. But during our inspection, we found out that there was a shed in the back and we're like, amazing. I didn't even know this was possible or I didn't even know it was there. And the possibilities for a shed are endless in my opinion. Like (laughs) I see a shed and I'm like, heck yeah. So we actually tacked on a hundred extra dollars to one of the tenants for, to allow them to put their stuff in there. Storage fee. Yeah. Yeah. So what we thought was a good deal turned to an even better deal very quickly. We didn't have to do, we didn't have to put any money into it Mm -hmm. yet. I mean, the same tenants are still in there and they've paid late once. It's totally fine. Um, and so that's been a really good, a really good piece. So while all this is going on, you know, we bought our primary that we're still in now in mm-hmm. 2019. We're in the process of doing a HELOC and we are pulling out close to $300,000. Currently? Mm-hmm. Great. 2019, 
to 2022. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> September 2019. Well, I guess it's February now. February 2022. Yeah. Close to $300,000. That's just what I can pull out. That's not how much it's appreciated. Right. Right. Because you can't pull out every penny. That's no. just what you're getting out of it. Yes. That is insane. Isn't it? So let's see the stock market. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. And it's like when you buy, this is the power of buying and appreciating markets yeah. and buying in the path of development. Yeah. And it's, and it's not even like, you know, you're not in like a $2 million home. It's not. not... I bought our primary for $527,620. Uh, $527, yeah. And you can pull out 300. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. So we're going to buy, I don't know, we haven't decided if we're going to buy something big, like a 8 to 12 unit, um, or we're going to buy a couple smaller things, you know, like uh, duplexes or quads or something like that. Yeah. The other thing that we're doing is the house that we bought across the street, our first investment. Um, and that was the one that your brother was in, or yep. your brother-in-law? Brother-in-law was brother -in -law. in. Brother-in-law, okay. Yep. So we have probably close to $200,000 in there as well. And so we're going to refinance that bad boy and pull that out, cash out, refinance that. So we're going to be making some moves. And this is when we talk about the snowball effect because mm -hmm. you start with one. Yeah. I started with $13,000. Yeah. You're, you're a really great example of this. And I mean, we house hacked another. Mm-hmm. We bought another. So technically, this is house hacking as well. We bought another primary. Mm -hmm. Bought our first investment property and now able to buy probably three to four in a year. Yeah. I mean, I started in 2017. That's incredible. Yeah. So it, it doesn't take that long. I think a lot of people no. hear us talk about like, oh, you don't need that money. It's a snowball effect. And they're thinking in terms of like decades. Yes. And it's not. No. So you've done this essentially five years, right? Yeah. 17. Five, six years. Yeah. Five years, a little bit, give or take. Yep. And you have how many properties now? How many doors? Four. Four doors? Or, mm -hmm. Okay. Four doors. That's great. Yeah. And how much total? And a coffee shop. And a coffee shop. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, how much total do you think you've put in as far as down payment to get those four? Because most people think if you own four houses, you've put in a lot of money. Um, 13, 30, probably 160. But I sold, but I sold a property, right? Because so, my $13,000 turned to nearly $100,000. Right. So I came out of pocket with like close to 60, 65. Yeah. But 160, 165 is... 165 but only 60 65 out of pocket yeah that's awesome yeah so coffee shop what's so that about shop. yeah so our friend so mike my husband michael scott he went to elementary middle school with this kid who has two older brothers and him and his brothers moved down to Africa and started this nonprofit down there and um, lived down there for I think three or four years. One of the brothers lived there for about seven years. But um, anyway, this nonprofit got shut down. So they moved back to Colorado and decided to start a coffee shop. And they had all these connections in Africa. And what they were doing is they were actually teaching women how to grow crops 
to support themselves and to support their families. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it wasn't just we're on a mission trip, we're here to help, and then they leave and everything, you know. Goes back to how it was. Right. Yeah. Which paint a few buildings, take a few pictures, move on. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. So they were actually teaching these women how to um, farm, which is amazing. And so then, ironically enough, we moved in about th- when we moved into the house that we live in now, we are three blocks away from one of their coffee shops. They only have two in Denver and we moved. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was our neighborhood coffee shop. Yeah. And we go there all the time. It's our little tradition, whatever. And in the evening times, they actually switched to a brewery, which is fun. That is fun. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic plan. model. Yes. Every coffee shop, every brewery should do this. Anyway, so then we kind of reconnected with them and just became pals with these guys and they approached us or no, excuse me. My husband, Michael Scott uh, approached them during 2020 and was like, Hey, times are rough. I mean, this is like March or April times are rough right now. We believe in you guys so much. Um, if you fall on hard times because of 2020, because of 2020, before you shut your doors, just let us know. Maybe we can help, you know? And truly came from the most humble, like just sweet, genuine spot because he loves the coffee and he loves them and believes in the mission, right? And right. just you want to support people like that. Yeah. Well, support that, support like when people talk about like buy local, shop local. Yeah. I mean, you can't get more local than down the street. Exactly. So that's incredible. Yeah. And so and it's also just like a good for everything mentality because they're helping women in Africa, mm-hmm. you know? And so anyway, they message us back and they're like, actually, because of COVID, our everything's going crazy for us. Everyone's staying at home. Nobody's getting coffee from their jobs anymore. They're getting coffee from us. And right. Yeah. Because they're the neighborhood spot. Exactly. And so, I mean, it looks like a house as well. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's cute. I love places like that. Yeah. So we said, great. And they approached us about a month later and they're like, we're actually opening up another shop and we don't want to go to the bank for cash. Would you guys be interested? And we're like, let's sit down and talk about this. So we did. And um, they basically laid it out. They're like, we're looking for silent investors. We don't want you guys to be involved in any of the day-to-day stuff. We don't, we don't really want your opinion on anything. We know how to do this. We have a model. We've replicated it twice now and we want to do it again. And we know how to make money. We, you know, we've got everything. We've got books that prove those things. So like, great, let's look at the books. So we looked at the books and we're like, this is pretty great. You know, um, and this, commercial space popped up there's a new development going in in like 26 and kipling if you're familiar with that area there's a mm-hmm. bunch of like little boutique shops restaurants yeah whatever kind of like an edgewater marketplace yeah yeah yeah. cute little area yeah and so it's this old bowling alley <laughs> that they snagged and they're turning it into a coffee shop and they're like we just need i think it was like forty-five thousand dollars or something and we would be majority share owners wow and we're like Okay, so we did, and we actually convinced Mike's parents to throw in a little bit of money, and um, so they are in on it too. And they were able; these guys were able to come to the table with some cash, and now they're renovating this old bowling alley into a coffee shop, and we're 
majority share owners. That's really cool. Yeah. So do we have a grand opening date when it's all going to be set and uh, finished? About four months ago. Four months ago. Oh, so it's open. No. Oh. <laughs> it was supposed to be four months ago. Yeah. How, yeah. how most construction goes, especially, especially it seems in like in commercial. Yeah. Well, and right now the supply True. chain is just yeah. so messed up and that they've run into a lot of snags with that and just weird things. But anyway, so we're hoping it's going to be done in two months. Cool. Well, um, we'll make sure to plug it here when we have. Maybe we can record. Yeah. We can oh, record one from the opening. That would be exciting. Sure. I know. I keep. I keep trying like dropping hints. I'm like, we need to do a party. I just want to throw a party there. Absolutely. Right? Like, let's do a soft opening. How fun would that be? We can do espresso martinis mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Would that be fun? Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about it now. Mm-hmm. I feel like they deserve a plug. What's the What's oh, yeah. the company? Queen City Coffee. Queen City Coffee. All right. Best coffee in Denver. And it's funny because we actually believed that. That's why we love them so much. Mm-hmm. We believed that they were the best coffee in Denver before any of this happened, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm also a Starbucks hater. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. You know, buy local. I'm all about it. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, whether it's real estate or whether it's something like you did with the coffee shop, yeah. I think you really hit on something there of you need to believe in it yeah. before you invest in it. A hundred percent. Because if you're just just in it to make money maybe it works out great but if you are going into an area you believe in or you know like with the areas we work we have our maps these are the areas we believe in these are the areas we feel good about here's the areas maybe those are off the table yeah um believing in those investments and then having the money part come i think is a great way to invest you have to believe in what you're doing and you have to have a higher purpose than yeah. just to make money because if that's the only goal, it's unfulfilling. Yeah. And especially with, you know, like we're talking about with that snowball, when yeah. you see it grow, you know, there are definitely times when you're like, man, this property isn't appreciated in the way I wanted it to. Or maybe you get a couple bad tenants in there and you're like, forget this place. This is yeah. just such a mess. Yeah. But when you believe in it more than just the monthly money you're getting and give it that time to turn around, then you can see like, oh, wow, hindsight 2020, this was a great investment. This was a great deal. And maybe even dig into that more so where it's like, I have the, you and I have the opportunity to create a good living space, a safe spot for people to live. Mm -hmm. Think about how important that is for so many. Maybe somebody's you know, we're just knocked down, cut off at the knees and now they need to rebuild their life somewhere and they're going to do it in one of your rentals. Mm -hmm. Maybe they had their first kid. Maybe they just got divorced. There's all of these situations that these people go through and maybe all they need is a roof over their head and they need to pay X amount of dollars a month. Yep. That's incredible. And you know, I know you've heard me talk about this a lot. All of my rentals, I have three criteria that they're safe, they're clean and affordable. And they don't have to be that way when I buy them. Most of them aren't. Most of them are pretty rough. Yeah. And that's part of why I like buying those value-add properties. Not only does it make sense for me financially, because you tend to get them at a discount. They tend to be better investments, in my opinion. Yep. Um, But also, you're taking spaces that may have been kind of like slummy and kind of not so great for the tenants to live in. And then you're turning around and you're making them safe. You're making them clean. And you're the type of properties we're buying they are still affordable. Yeah. And so you're giving people a better place to live. And I feel like you're 
honoring the people. And you're giving them respect. Yeah, exactly. Respect, honor. Like you're treating people like people, not just like a cash cow you're trying to milk while the property falls down around them. It's not what we're trying to do. I mean, there is a world where it all exists, where it is good for them, good for us, good for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And we truly live by that. Absolutely. And so it is important to really believe in it. And I have something kind of similar. I refuse to leave a property worse than how I found it. Yeah. So I think this about the environment. (laughs) I think this about a lot of things, but never leave something worse than how you found it. Mm -hmm. So always leave it better than where you found it. Yeah. I mean, it's a great model to live by. I Mm kind of feel like that's the other golden rule. You know, it doesn't have a name or anything, but like if you go into the environment and leave it better than you found it, if you leave your tenants better than you found them, if you leave your properties better than you found them, if when we're interacting with clients, we leave those clients better than we found it. Like you're just transitioning the world to be in a better place to be. Imagine if you went into every single conversation, whether it's with the clerk at the grocery store or, you know, your friend, your spouse, whatever. And you went into it with the mentality of let's make, I want them to feel better Mm. about themselves or whatever it is after this conversation. I want to leave this person and this conversation better than when I found it. Right. Yeah. Imagine if you interacted with every person in your life with that mentality Mm -hmm. of just, I am going to make them feel just a little bit happier, a little bit more hopeful after every single conversation. Obviously it's unrealistic for every single thing, but, but if that's your goal, but if that's your goal, imagine what could happen. Yeah. And imagine if that bled into, you started small and it was just with conversations and then it became, okay, the space that I'm in, it's cleaner than when I left it or it's, you know, I updated it how, you know, and so Mm -hmm. it's better than how I left it or whatever the case may be. And then these properties that you own and you're also making money off of, but you're giving that honor and that respect to those tenants. And so it's better than what they had before. And so now maybe they get to give that to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And doing that, taking that mindset into investing. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people, especially people that aren't investors, tend to think, you know, a real estate investor, it's this big hotshot that's going to, you know, run everybody out of their home and it's all about themselves and bottom line and greed and all of that. Yeah. And so, you know, there's such a space for taking that sort of mindset into the investing world and showing people it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be ugly. No, not at all. It really doesn't. And I think that gets lost in translation. Yeah, I would agree. Um, And that's why I I love working for Atlas because I truly think that they're not trying to, they're not out here to wreck the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you believe in Atlas the same way you believed in the coffee shop. That's part of what you do. Exactly. So, and I just think that's important to live a meaningful life, you know, when we're put here on this planet. And I think that's really at the end of the day, what speaks to me and my Mm. heart is just live a meaningful life. And how does that look? It can look a hundred thousand different ways. Yeah. But part of it for me is to believe in everything that I do, bet on myself, bet on what I believe in and double down on that. Yeah, absolutely. And let's make some money along the way. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you've kind of come full circle in your journey from nonprofit, yeah. feeling like you were really helping people and you'd find that fulfilling, but you'd be poor. Mm-hmm. 
now to kind of realizing that you don't have to be poor to make a difference and to help people. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you said, good for you. Good for me. Like you kind of figured out how to do it all. Yeah, absolutely. And it really does just start with the one property. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to get overwhelmed by these people who own hundreds, 200, you know, properties, whatever it is. And it's like, I'm never going to do that. Well, maybe you never own 200 properties, but maybe you own 10. Yeah. And how do you own 10? You start with one. You start with one property. You stay the course. It's a mentality. It's not a how much money you make. It's not a, um, you know, a hustle or a grind and all this stuff. Sure, it can be all those things. But if mm -hmm. you stay the course and you stay focused on your goal and you have the mentality of, this is what you want and it's possible for anybody and everybody start with one. Once you get the one move to two, once you get the second one, move to three and your strategy changes after every one, you know, it, it slightly changes because you're maybe you're in a different job. Maybe you're making more money, less money. Maybe now financing is an, a problem, all of these different things. But after every property, you just kind of have to reanalyze and say, okay, this is how I get to my next one. Mm. And these are the steps that I have to take to get there, right? But if you just don't get discouraged, you stay the course, and you stay focused on your goals, it can be achievable. Yeah, that that is great advice. And I think that is the key. Keep moving forward. And just, it's one, and then it's two. It's not zero to 100. It's not. Yeah. And it is sometimes us impatient people <laughs> It's frustrating. You're like, oh my gosh, I just want to, you know, I just want to be there. I want to have made it, whatever mm -hmm. that case is. Listen, in my family, I didn't come from money. And I think that's important for people to hear because that's oftentimes when we talk, have these conversations, it's like, yeah, well, it's a lot easier when you come from money or you see people who have done this before you. I didn't have any of that. I didn't have and still don't have people in my family who invest in real estate. I'm the only one. Mm. My family, in fact, thinks I'm crazy and I cannot tell them what I invest in anymore because they have more anxiety about it than I do, which is so insane to me. Um, and I never saw anybody do it in front of me. Yeah. Other than I realized when I started working at Atlas and I would talk to my mom about these things like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? I used to ask her her opinion because that's what you do when you're young. Sure. My mom would be like, no, absolutely. Do not do that. That's a terrible idea. That house is, that $265,000 house, that's way overpriced, right? Doesn't that sound crazy now? But what's crazier is thinking that, okay, I see my parents' financial situation right now, mm -hmm. and it's not good. Yeah. They're facing retirement, and my dad's sick, and it's not good. So me looking at that and taking advice from somebody who's in that situation versus me looking at the people who I work with and who have done it, done this already and have been doing it for decades, me looking at them and saying, oh, your financial situation looks a lot better than this. Yeah. And you're saying to do this. I'm probably going to do that. Yeah. You make a great point. Be careful who you take advice from. Yeah. And sometimes the people closest to you, even though, you know, you love them to death, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean they're the best people to take that advice from. A hundred percent. Are you going to take relationship advice from somebody who's been divorced five times? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. So I, there's so many other things that I want to model my life after my parents and whatnot, 
but financial just not finances financial freedom and whatnot that's not it yeah cool so you've got four doors now mm -hmm. you've traded up a little bit mm -hmm. what is what do the next five years look like for you yeah so like i said we're gonna have around three hundred thousand, potentially more with this cash out refinance um so anywhere between three to five thousand three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars here in the next one to two years we're going to be placing that as quickly as possible. Mm. You know, even if interest rates go up, which they will. Yeah. When interest rates go up, that's fine. That leaves opportunity for us to cash out refinance later down the road when they go down and we'll have a bunch of equity in there. Yep. Um, and so we're going to do that, place it. Like I said, we don't know if we're going to buy one big, something big or just a couple smaller things. It depends on what comes up. Mm. I'm one of those people that the more open-minded you are, the better the deal. Yeah, I agree. You know, I have some clients right now that they don't want anything under, you know, X number of doors or yeah. X number of dollars. And I have to be honest, I just don't get that mentality. If, if, if the numbers make sense, who cares if it's a, you know, two unit here in Denver and it's 700,000 and, you know, you can get a bunch more doors in Kansas City for that. Like if the numbers are the same, if it's two, four bedrooms versus eight studios, like yeah. it, it doesn't matter. And right. I, I think people get caught up in like, oh, I own so many doors yes. and like buying all these little studios adds to that. But at the end of the day, it's your financial situation. It's your financial freedom that's the point exactly and i think people get caught up in the sex appeal of owning a 12 unit mm -hmm. or you know something like that i don't care about that i'm not impressed by that kind of stuff i see it all the time don't care so i'm like you if it's a good deal and it's two units great i'll yeah. buy it if it's a good deal and it's six units great i'll buy it yeah um yeah i mean i love my 12 unit yeah <laughs> but yeah right after the 12 unit we bought a duplex right so great and that makes just as good sense as the 12. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll place some money. The good thing about our situation is we can do real estate in several different states. Mm -hmm. So it gives us a bit more flexibility on what pops up. Um, so it's hard for me to say where what we'll buy next. I know we'll have some cash within, within the next, you know, well, really 12 days <laughs> 12 days and uh, three months or so so we'll be placing that as soon as possible i would say in the next five years we'll probably get another primary just because i'm antsy and like to move yeah yeah, yeah. this is where we're different you <laughs> like to move i know i i thought i, I liked to move until i did it a couple times in a short span and yeah. now i never want to move ever again yeah yeah <laughs> it's gonna be really really hard and it's gonna be really expensive for us to move next because my husband prefers a big house in the burbs mm. and that's where i always say i go to die so, so you need a big house in the city yep yeah that'll be that'll Not be a pretty cheap. penny yep yep <laughs> so we need to get a couple more investment properties before we can do that but um so i assume we'll get another primary so the goal is to pick up you know three to five in the next one to two years and i say three to five i mean properties mm -hmm. who knows the size of them right um, and then, yeah, so you're really snowballing there, like yeah. going from big jump, the pace you were at now, 
buying faster and faster. And that's what happens, right? Yeah. Because each property that you buy is a separate savings account. And so when you can pull out of this savings account and then pull out of that savings account and then that's how quickly it goes. Yep. So that's why there is a part of me that wants to buy several duplexes or even single families if they work out, if I'm being really honest, because maybe they're appreciating a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. And now I've got separate accounts, you know, that I can pull a HELOC out of this one and that one rather than one big one. And I have to wait for this one before I pull yeah. things out, you know? So it's just a different strategy. It's again, whatever's best for us in that time. And you kind of just have to run numbers and again, keep an open mind and see what's going on. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do in the next few years. Me too. So thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for asking um, questions. Being so you know open with the numbers and yeah. the timelines and all that. It's important. Um, thank you all for listening. This is uh, it for this week's episode. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast, we do have a YouTube channel. Um, if you're on YouTube, uh, we have a podcast. So however you want to listen, that's great. Uh, we also have uh, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, and all of the other social medias. So if you want to connect with us there, we'd love to connect with the people listening. Have a great day, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.